In a not-so-stable world, it is crucial to amplify the right message. At the Stream Grace Network, our goal is to do just that. We are adding to our stable of podcasters every month, and we are growing. This is where you come in. We want to share in that growth. If you are a small business owner looking to grow your business, we'd love it if you'd consider allowing one of our podcasters to endorse you, your products, or services. The best part is that endorsement will never stop running in any episode it is a part of, ever. This is a unique and rare benefit in digital advertising. We want everything we do to be uplifting and to encourage positive growth. And we'd love to partner with you. For more information, visit us online at StreamGrace.com or email us at support at StreamGrace.com. God bless. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hi, kids. Welcome in. And for those joining us on Facebook Live, welcome to you and also everyone out there listening on the podcast. This is Scatter Shooting. I'm Randy Renner. And I'm Jeremy Griffin. Scatter Shooting, of course, where we talk about anything and everything worldly and not of this world. Pretty amazing. And today, today, we also want to welcome in Price Morris. Hey! He's here. He's with us. We're going to talk basketball with Price and also a little bit of pharmaceuticals <laughs> uh, with uh, Price as well. That sounds really shady. I know. I, I know. And uh, so that's, I mean, people, it's intriguing to people. And and we're also today on Scatter Shooting. We are going to be all over the place. It's going to be amazing. Oh, and that's weird. We've never done that. I know. Before. I'm just thinking, why am I saying that? Because, I mean, we do that every week. We talk about all kinds of stuff, all Jim jammed in there. However, being that the NBA draft is coming up in mere hours, we probably need to talk about that because uh, Thunder basketball yeah. has changed somewhat dramatically dramatically over the yeah. last couple of days jeremy has stayed away from the news yeah i've been i've been wrapped up in the civil war and covid and that's that's all i can take <laughs> okay so he, so he doesn't know what's going on doesn't know apparently that's what he's told us he does not know what has happened other than the thunder last week hired mark mark degnault one of yeah. the thunder assistants you know i was as I told Price, I told you, I was thinking it would be Brian Keefe. The other guy, you know, I thought about was certainly Mark Degnold. And I had a pretty strong feeling the Thunder would stay in-house and bring in one of those other, would name one of those other guys as the head coach. And they did. Mark had been, had some head coaching experience with the, with the Thunder G League team. He's been with the team for, you know, since 2014, has a reputation as an outstanding developer of young talent and he will need to have that certainly will <laughs> what's going on but to well, break the news to, to break the <laughs> you news just to told me way too much <laughs> he will need okay wow uh, and Here goes. on uh, the Here report came out monday now Hold on. can i i'm gonna i'm gonna guess because okay this is what's gonna i mean the thing that was gonna break my heart the most i don't okay go ahead just step right in there. Okay. I'm what? hoping that you don't tell me Stephen Adams is gone. That's what I thought he would say. Is Stephen Adams still on the team? 
Well, Stephen Adams is is gone in the respect that I think he's hanging out down in New Zealand. But as far as still being a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder, he is. Oh, gosh, thank you. Now, that's as of right now. now I know. Tonight, that may change. Well, don't do that to me. Because of the draft. I mean, there I realize. Are, there are reports out there that the Thunder are in talks. To trade. To trade Stephen Adams. Well, but, I mean, you know, we've heard reports Sam, that Sam, if you're watching, you know, stop talking. <laughs> Trust me on this one. Steven Adams is the is going to be the root of your team. Actually, right now he probably is. Fin- finish. Well, well, yeah, he probably... <laughs> well, yeah, I, right at this particular right. moment, I would agree with so, that. So lay it on me. Chris Paul's gone. Chris Paul is gone. All right. What do we get? To the Phoenix Suns. Oh, wait. <laughs> did I... Wait, okay. Okay, well, that's where stupid. You, where, where did you think? Well, you to the Clippers no, or the Lakers? No, or? I just instantly went to the Phoenix Suns roster, and I'm thinking, oh. Booker. Yeah, I didn't think we'd get Booker out of no, this, because why would they not, get rid of Booker? We did not get uh, Devin Booker. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, you know, uh, Ricky Rubio. I like Ricky Rubio! The uh, starting point guard for the, the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> now you're going to say was in a He's, three-way trade and isn't no, no, here. No, no, <laughs> no, not a three-way trade. It's <laughs> right. just Oklahoma City and Phoenix. All right. Ricky Rubio is coming here. He was pretty good last year. He averaged, yeah. uh, I think, a little over 13 points a game, nine assists, and five and a half rebounds. I mean, that's pretty good for, you know, a a, a point guard that's not named Chris Paul or, right. you know, Russell Westbrook, somebody like that. Thunder Which, by also, the way, sorry, don't mean to interrupt, but, you know, that's what I do. Uh, so our, the one news I did see in the NBA, and I don't know if it's true, maybe you can confirm, is that uh, – um, Harden and, and Westbrook won out of Houston because of yes. Trump support. Well, that's that's many things. There's also a rumor that uh, also because the team sucks, right? There's also <laughs> there's also a rumor out there that Harden has already made it all the way through all of the strip clubs in Houston, which is a heck of a well, thing to be able to accomplish. That's something a big like that. deal. That's a full time job. Yeah, it is. it is a full. But no, but yes, okay. Harden and Westbrook have, from the reports that I've seen, have both notified Rockets management that they want out of Houston and uh, James Harden has officially requested a trade and so apparently has Russ the Rockets have not granted that wish yet although they've been in talks with multiple teams Harden has said his preferred destination is Brooklyn because he wants to hook up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving so Harden apparently wants to go from a situation in Houston where they had two alpha dogs, him and Russ, yeah. two alpha dogs and ball hogs. So now Harden is thinking, you know, that worked out so great. Let me go someplace where there's yeah. two more ball hogs. And Brooklyn's probably know. thinking, hey, we'll get Westbrook too and just really just throw this I thing in the can. I don't know what. Well, Brooklyn what do you guys do then, right? Well, Brooklyn has apparently told the Rockets, we'll give you anyone on our roster not named Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. Yeah. And there was a report out that uh, that Brooklyn was ready to send Houston draft picks all the way out to like 2026, 2027. Hey, why wouldn't you? The world's ending. Like, who cares? What do you uh, really lose? It losing? apparently is. You know. And uh, the Rockets so far have not agreed to that. And they've not come up with a deal for Russ. I saw something that, that yesterday that indicated he might be going to Charlotte as part of a three-way trade mm. with Cleveland, that Cleveland would send the Rockets Kevin Love, uh, and uh, and then Charlotte would send 
Cleveland, I believe, their number one pick in this, uh, their first round pick in this draft, this draft, which is pretty high. I think number three or four, something like that, that Charlotte has. And, uh, <clears throat> but none of that's happened yet. Yeah. But as far as going back to the Thunder, you yeah. said Chris Paul. Chris Paul. And for, yes. And anything. So, Ricky Rubio, is there more to that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Much more. Oh, yeah, you interrupted sure. me. I know. Remember I did. Right I'm when saying I was trying specifically, to explain it to you. I know. Is there well, more see? to that specific deal, though? Yes. Too? Okay. Yes. I'm so sorry. Yes. I'm so sorry. I mean, because you got to, you know how things work. You got to try to match up the salaries. And so you're exactly. going to, Ricky Rubio wasn't making $41 million right. a year. He's 17, I believe. And uh, he has two years left on that contract. Kelly Oubre, the former Kansas wing uh, player, he was only at KU for a, a year, but he is coming off his best season. Yes. Averaged almost 20 points a game, a little over 19 points a game. And uh, his shooting has improved quite a bit. It's three-point shooting. He shows a lot of promise. Now, Kelly Oubre has, is on an expiring contract. Mm. Uh, and the uh, Thunder also uh, getting... Uh, uh, Ty Jerome, who's a guard in his second year, spent a lot of last, most of last season hurt, missed 31 games. And a kid by the name of, you're going to love this. I don't even know if you know this. A kid by the name of Jalen LeCue. He's uh, coming out of high school. He, uh, because he, was had enough he was old enough to where he could go straight to the NBA. So mm. he signed a contract with the Suns as an undrafted free agent. He's a point guard, 6'4, 190, extremely athletic, especially around the rim. His nickname Westbrook Jr. Very close. <laughs> His nickname Baby Westbrook. Wow. He even wears number zero. Wow. And watching tape of him, as I watched a little bit, he does remind you of Russell Westbrook, especially the athletic down by the rim area. And he also reminds me a a little bit of Russ when he clangs a three ball or (laughs) awesome. Or when he sometimes uh, tends to take a playoff every now and again on defense. Mm. So he really does. He's very much like Russ. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, so that and uh, Phoenix uh, also giving up a uh, uh, a draft pick. For this year? Uh, for 2022, I believe. Gotcha. Yes, their first round pick in 2022. And then the other deal that the Thunder made, and this is not official yet, because of there's uh, a draft pick for this year involved. So as we get into mm. tonight, it'll become official. But Dennis Schroeder mm. is heading to the Lakers. Hey, good for Dennis. And uh, so he'll be with them. The Lakers are sending the Thunder uh, back their first round pick this year, which is number 28. And uh, also Danny Green who's a pretty good 3 yeah, and D like, guy, as uh, they say. Now, the win. thing with Danny Green is he also is in the last year of his contract. He has an expiring contract. So the thought on this is that tonight or at some point during the season, the Thunder could flip both those guys, Kelly Oubre and Danny Green, and, and turn them into somebody or uh, – 
else or other draft picks or something like that. So tonight, going into the NBA draft, bottom lining it, the Thunder have three picks. Number 25, which they got from the Denver Nuggets in the Jeremy Grant trade, and number 28, which they got from the Lakers in the Dennis Schroeder trade, and their own second-round pick, which is number 53, I believe. So three. So, yeah, three tonight. Two Mm -hmm. in the first round and one in the second round. And so there's been a lot of talk that that tonight the Thunder could – because there's been some talk that they may be interested in moving up in tonight's draft so you could package maybe both those first-round picks or one or the other of them along with maybe Kelly Oubre or Danny Green, depending upon how high they want to move up. But Yeah, they got way more players than they need at this point. And there, gonna happen. Well, one guy that I've heard that they may be interested in, a um, 18-year-old Serbian, seven feet tall, uh, Alexi Pokasevic, I believe is how you say it. Uh, now, the problem with him, he's seven feet tall, but he only weighs like 202 pounds. Wow. So wow. he's, he's kind of skinny, as they say. But he's an excellent passer, has some guard-type skills. At seven foot? At seven foot. He can wow. Face, he can face the basket? He, yes. Wow. And so and he's for a, a, an 18-year-old kid who's that tall and that skinny – People say he's he's very athletic and can do things that other kids that size can't do. Hmm. So we'll see. His shot, unless he's right around the rim, is not particularly good right now, but he goes out and shoots the three, and that's not particularly good, but he shows flashes of things that, you know, that he could do. He's 18 years old, and so the thinking is, you know what, the Thunder have, I mean, you're probably not going to find anybody that, necessarily might help you right away at 25 or 28. You never know. I mean, there are guys out there. Sure. And and this guy, they believe, apparently, that he has so much upside. And when they're going into this rebuilding mode, it's not like they're chasing a championship. Mm-hmm. And so the thinking is, you know, who knows? Two, three years from now, he might be a really good player. Yeah. You know, you just don't know about an 18-year-old kid and from he'd have, Serbia. He'd have a chance to fill out a little bit too. He would have a chance to fill out a little bit, and the uh, and the Thunder are known have a great reputation for developing players, mm-hmm. and so we'll see if that if that ends up happening tonight. And then there are other guys that obviously they could be interested in too. But Pokasevic is kind of one of those that's pretty intriguing, especially as they move forward, and that starts tonight, six o'clock on. ESPN. Wow. Surprise. So What's your take on all of this? Wow. It's, uh, I'm intrigued by this 18 year old. I, for a guy seven foot and 205 pounds, that's, I don't even see what he looks like. Yeah, <laughs> well, he's, he's a long drink of water, as they I, used to say. I will show to, you. He, 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 Here we go. Figure. There it is. He, I think, right he's there. A, I think <laughs> yeah, he's there a, you go. He's a taller version of String Bean from Hee Haw. Yeah, yeah right. right. That, that'd be about right. it. Right. And, uh, but he's got his wingspan is, uh, I think seven foot three. He has a standing reach of nine and a half feet. So, wow. Some of the numbers are pretty incredible. And then you, you know, you add in, like I say, you know, they, 
the reports from Serbia are because he's only 18 and so they're a little bit sketchy. Mm-hmm. I, I saw Fran Priscilla the other day, it, you know, one of ESPN's guys who's been around, lives in Dallas, and, you know, a, a lot of us have either met him or have seen him on television. And Fran said he thought the kid was at least four years away. Hmm. And so some of what Fran was saying was not as optimistic as what some other people have said. But Fran also said, you know, that he hasn't, it's not like he's done a tremendous amount of, or been able to do a tremendous amount of research on, on this kid because, you know, the, some of the information's a little sketchy. Right. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. But there, when you look at the mock drafts that are out there, people right now have this kid going anywhere from 10th to 20th in the draft. Wow. In the first round. Hmm. So obviously a lot of people are thinking that the teams are that there might be several teams out there willing to take a chance on him and see what he turns into. I think I'd put him up uh, on an inbounds guard the ball as they're trying to inbound the ball, <laughs> right? <laughs> Try to well, throw over him. Well, that's and and you know some teams certainly do that. You know they'll put their big man down there. You know especially you know when you've got and and I mean you know when you're that height and have that reach. What did you say it was seven three. Seven three wingspan. wingspan. Well, I think I'd put him up there. That that's gonna yeah. cause some problems. That's fourteen point. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I was gonna try math. <laughs> yeah, math is not your. And it's knowledge. not my thing. I mean, I was gonna go high, then you know, blah blah blah. No, no. So there we go. That's what. That's what's going on with the. Uh, that's what's going on with the thunder. And I, I you know, I Bryce, we ought to bring you a little more into here people some people who are or watching or listening to this will recognize your name and from back in the day you're right now you're associated with cbs pharmacy yeah but you coached women's basketball on the aau level for uh-huh. years and your teams played ou osu many of the other college programs in this right. area you know uh, sherry cole jim Littell. you knew kurt budke who, by the way, that the anniversary of the plane crash that killed mm-hmm. Kurt Budke and and uh, Miranda Cerna, and uh, the two uh, uh, Mr. And Mrs. Brandstetter who were flying them to on a recruiting trip to Arkansas, ninth anniversary of that crash was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And Price, I know you knew both Kurt and Miranda pretty well. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Kurt had followed my teams or my AAU teams, which was our high school kids uh at the time we were doing that program trying to get kids scholarships and uh kurt was at trinity valley when i first met him junior college in athens texas they were a real national power in the junior college ranks and i believe he went 40 and 0 one year won the national championship uh there at trinity valley excuse me trinity valley miranda was playing for him at the time and uh he followed me around was recruiting some of our kids so had a real good working relationship with kurt he was very nice professional does uh when he got on up at oklahoma state i was no longer doing aau but i was doing a women's college exhibition team with two friends of mine and uh we used to take players who were former ou players or OSU or tulsa southern nazarene oklahoma city oklahoma christian type kids and we'd get them organized real quick and go play college teams in that two to three week span where they could play exhibition games before their season started when uh, Julie Goodenough was coaching at Oklahoma State, she asked us to come play, and we did. And then Kurt said, by all means, I know you guys love to play you. 
And so we played against Kurt, I guess, three or four years uh, in those exhibition teams. And that was the one team I knew we, we just weren't going to beat. You know, we, we had chances with everybody else we ever played. In, and we never did play OU. Um, we we practiced at their practice facility. Sherry was nice enough to let us use their gym to, to work out in and practice. But um, we knew we were never going to beat Oklahoma State. They were just a lot better than we were. But we played people like TCU, Wichita State, North Texas, uh, South Florida, Central Florida. We flew down to Florida and played a couple games there. And we beat six different Division One teams mm. out of 12 different teams that we played in exhibition games. Now these, you know, every coach is, is a little bit different on how they want to do things. And some schedule exhibition games just, you know, purely so they can kind of tune their team up a little bit, score a bunch of points, have some fun, and beat the you-know-what out of some right. poor team that they bring in there. Others use those games to make their team better, to right. challenge their team. And your guys had a reputation for doing the just the that. Ladder. Well, Jerry Finkbeiner up at Oral Roberts, uh, he's now out at Utah State, but uh, Jerry was the guy who got us started in that. And when he approached us, he said, uh, I think you guys could get a group of local ex-college players and give us a better game than some of these traveling teams from foreign countries that he would beat, you know, 115 to 40. And that doesn't really help your players. It really a doesn't. Whole lot. He says, I need to be more challenged. And uh, we said, Well, we think we can do that. So the very first year was in, I believe, 2000. And we went up there and he beat us, I believe, it was like 98 to 94. Hmm. And he was going, That's a little too close for me. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you always want your team, you know, when you're that college guy, you yeah. want your team to win, but you want to at least. Give them a challenge. It's not right. like you want to go out there well, and actually get your butt beat by, well, you know, a team that people are going, who the heck are these girls? Well, the first year we only played uh, Oral Roberts and OBU and Southern Nazarene. And after that, my phone started blowing up from college coaches saying, uh, well, we'd like to play you. We, we need better competition on these exhibition games. And so uh, one year we had a three-week calendar and we played – TCU on a Friday night. We went down to UT San Antonio on a Saturday night. San Marcos, Texas, where Southwest Texas, now Texas State. We played them on Sunday, and then we played North Texas Monday night. We were driving all over Texas four games in four nights. And uh, the kids loved it. The girls that played for us were former college players who missed playing, and it was a chance for them to still play at a competitive level. So it was a lot of fun. We had great kids, and uh, we gave everybody – about, matter of fact, when we played TCU that year, they beat us by, I believe, seven points, and they went to the Sweet 16 that year. Hmm. And when the pairings came out for the Sweet 16, one of the girls called me, well, why can't we play in the tournament? We almost beat them. <laughs> said, well, and, you, and you guys were driving around in, uh, what, those like 15-passenger vans, right? basically? Yeah. We'd rent a couple of those, and... Uh, um, we take two of them, and uh, me, I coach with two other guys, so we would take turns driving, you know, two on, one off, depending on where we had to go. But sometimes we just took cars because those girls were adults, and we'd have four or five, a caravan. All right, here's where we're going. Everybody stay together. Fortunately, we had cell phones in case somebody got lost. But, um, yeah, it was um, a lot of fun. The, the schools would pay us 
certain amount of money to play them. And after we paid the bills, the hotel and the food, whatever was left, we'd give the kids like $50 just for their sweat. You know, the time they put it. And they didn't care about the money. They wanted to play. Well, that that was something I, I wanted to bring up because, you know, now you hear so much about uh, – you know, how much money is involved. And, you know, and I realize, you know, there's a difference, obviously, between college and pro. Well, maybe not a whole lot. <laughs> maybe, but, yeah, maybe not. Uh, with some of the things you hear about what's going on. But you guys, and not just the players, but you and your other coaches, I mean, you guys were doing this really for the love of the game primarily, right? Oh, absolutely. And uh, as well as the girls, the uh some of those girls that played on our exhibition team had played for us four years earlier on our AAU teams. And then, of course, they went to college. Sonny Hardiman, who uh, was from Norman High School and played for Sherry Cole mm-hmm. a couple of years at Norman before Sherry took the OU job, played for me for a couple summers in AAU. And then she goes to OU for four years, finishes up there, and comes back to me hmm. and plays eight years with wow. us on that exhibition team. Wow. So... That was especially gratifying. Casey uh, Bays, who's now the coach at Edmond Santa Fe, but she had coached at OBU the last several years. She played for me in high school, went off to OBU for four years, and came back and played for us for six seasons. And it was a real thrill for us, me and my other two friends, too. We knew you when you were a 16-year-old pain in the backside. Now you're a 24-year-old pain in the backside, you know, but... <laughs> Um, that was that was the real thrill, just being around the kids and watching how happy they were, and the fact that we were able to give almost everybody a really good game. And uh, we played Missouri State, Southwest Missouri, when um, they were, were still really good. And it was an exhibition game, and they turned off all the lights, and we come running out in the dark like you see on TV. The place was noisy. I think there were like 8,000 people for an exhibition game. Hmm. And... I thought Dick Vitale was going to come out of nowhere to come over and interview me. It just, it really felt like a big time thing. But that in Missouri State, in Springfield, Missouri, that's a women's basketball is a big deal up there. Right. And that had to be a lot of fun for your kids to to be involved in that atmosphere. And some, I mean, you know, for for kids who had played like Sonny, who played major college program. And in those days, OU women's basketball was a pretty big deal. Absolutely. And uh, but to have that again, I mean, that had to also be a, a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely! And the, the, it really meant a lot to the kids who had played like at OBU or OCC, or, or maybe OCU, they didn't have or who at least had never big, experienced. Yeah. Look at this: there's eight thousand people. Right. Or um, we were going to play Wichita State, and the Wichita State coach was a friend of mine. She came up to me about a half hour before tip off and says, "Would you mind going on the local sportscast with me?" But right before the game, and I said, "No problem." And all of a sudden, the cameraman comes out, and I'm being interviewed along with Jane from Wichita State. We're being interviewed, and all of a sudden, our kids are stopping and going, we're on TV. <laughs> yeah, we're just a women's exhibition team, and they're interviewing us, you know. So, But uh, doing it for those kids, it was so much fun. It was the best thing I've ever done, getting to coach those girls. Uh, hmm. I, I've been real, I was real fortunate to have that experience. It was, it was a great time. And you, uh, you also, I, I know... Uh, from the time that I've known you, you, you have, you like to build relationships and you have good relationships with a lot of your former players and also coaches that you, that you've gotten to know uh, over the years and, and people like the, you know, the staff up up at OSU, Bill Finley, the head coach at, at Iowa State, State. uh, you know, you guys and, and several others, uh, around here and then i know you also got to know jody conrad the legendary former coach of the texas yeah. longhorns 
really well when you were down in Austin. Well, Jody had recruited a girl that played for us. Uh, she was from a little town right outside of uh, Lawton, down your part of the woods. Uh, she's from Empire. Oh, sure. Empire, Oklahoma, right. you bet. And, uh, They've beaten us several times over the years. <laughs> yeah. And we've beaten them, too. <laughs> yeah. People down in Empire. Oh, and, gosh. So, uh, the best player Empire ever had uh, was playing for me in AAU, and uh, they were University of Texas was recruiting her. And so Jody and Kathy Harston, her lead assistant, were always at one of our games. One of the two of them was always there. And um, so Jody was just... Is nice and gracious, you know. I mean, she's arguably at the time uh, Texas governor was Ann Richards, if you remember Ann Richards. Oh, sure, and, and a big old pile big old of uh, silver solid. hair. And you know, Ann Richards, Ann Richards is the main reason why Baylor is in the Big Twelve. Is that right? From the beginning, because she uh, lobbied for Baylor. The decision had come down to either Baylor or TCU, and Ann Richards was a big big Baylor gal and she wanted Baylor in there. And so that's, that's why the big 12 has been plagued with every, all the bad things (laughs) that have gone on and, you know, murders, rapes, pillaging, whatever. Wow. Blundering, plundering, well, plundering too. And plundering. There was a lot. And the only game in the big 12 conference football season has been canceled this year. Baylor. Wow. And Oklahoma state. So, wow, uh, you know, because Baylor couldn't do the COVID, couldn't contain that. Wow. Anyway, I'm off my soapbox. Go ahead and <laughs> uh, Baylor is just, you know, they, no, but I don't, uh, you know, they jo- make me mad sometimes. Jody was probably the second most popular person in that state at that sure, time. Sure, at that behind, time, you bet. Behind, uh, you bet. She's a Hall of Famer. Oh, absolutely, and she's a better person than she is a coach. I uh, met her a couple of times, uh, you know, when the Big 12 tournament was was here in Oklahoma City, and I guess the last time I talked was probably, it may have been Jody's last year, at, actually, at, at UT. And, you know, she didn't know me from... You know your neighbor Jeremy, and uh, <laughs> she. You know, I said, "Hey, do you, you don't have a few minutes?" And I sat down and talked. We ended up going about 10, 15 minutes, mm, just having a like co- conversation. And uh, you know, I and and she was just the and you know, and I thought at the time, you know, I'm sitting here talking to her, and I, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, this is one of the the greatest women's basketball coaches of all time, and uh, you know, she's. Like, you know, and the conversation with her was like I'd known her forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure you've experienced that, you know, with Jody Conrad. Well, when uh, I used to, before I was working at CVS, I had a job that moved me from Oklahoma City down to Austin. And um, this was in the mid-90s. So I lived in Austin for two years, and this was before cell phones. You know, nobody had a cell phone at that time. So I had a home phone number and a answering machine for messages that I would need for my business. And uh, I came home five or six days after I'd set my phone up and there was a message from Jody on my answering machine and said, uh, you know, Price, this is Jody Conrad. Uh, Just wanted to welcome you to Texas. Uh, Hope you like it down here. If you need anything, here's my home phone number. And again, nobody had cell phone numbers. So I already had her office number. I just, but she gave me her home number if you ever need anything, you don't hesitate to call. I'd be glad to help you any way I can. You've got a ticket anytime you want to come to a game. You just call me. I'll put you on the pass list. And I thought, how did she get my number? You know, and I thought that shows oh, she's how, Jody Conrad that, that, for that, crying out that loud. That shows how much stroke she had. I went, <laughs> oh, I had a few business cards printed up, but 
I, I hadn't seen her since I got there. I thought, how did you get my number? But she found it somehow, and it was a real thrill to, to come home from work one day, and wow, Jody left me a message, you know. So, but And sure enough, I went to a lot of games back when uh, Texas was still really strong, and Jody was coaching against Marcia Sharp in Texas Tech. Another legend, there another were, Hall of Famer. There were 14,000 people there in the stands that night, and I just went up to the oil call window. They had my name. I went in, and it was fantastic atmosphere to see th- at that time, the mid-'90s. Texas and Texas Tech play, unbelievable. Just yeah. it was loud in there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, all right, now I'm, I'm now I'm leaving Jeremy. Uh, uh, hey, want to do you want to jump in and? Uh, uh, I, I I can interrupt with the best of them. Don't you worry. I know. Yeah, you did. Just, when I was I'm trying to enjoying. tell you what the Thunder had done the last few days. I know. It's fascinating. Uh, I was just thinking as you were talking through all those things. I was thinking about um, the kind of how innocent some of the stuff can come across you know it's like uh, one of my first times running sound at the chesapeake energy arena um i was running sound for a, a tennessee women's basketball game with candace parker wow and uh, uh pat summit summit, summit. and it, you know near the end of both careers there. Right. right and uh you know i didn't know what i was watching you know but i because i didn't know i you know somebody's like oh it's candace parker man like, who's that because <laughs> I wasn't, you know, I was very green when it came to sports at that point. But I, I found it, what what intrigued me about that whole process was in that game, Candace Parker uh, dislocated her shoulder in the first half and came out. She went back to the thing, came back, I don't know, 10 minutes later, and she's playing and had some monster of a game. You're like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you, some of those girls are pretty tough. Oh really my gosh. Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing. But you know, and you, and, and you talked about getting that call from Jody. I remembered, um, I was just getting into digital strategies and, and working for companies and I get this call and you know, I'm a big OU fan have been for a long time. And I get this call, uh, Hey Jeremy, this is uh, Jason white. And I wanted to talk to you about some stuff on a website and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Kind of like what you're saying. Yeah. How'd you get my number? Right. And is this the Jason White? <laughs> and yeah. it was, you know, it was just kind of surreal. And you have those oh, moments. And you're like, wow, it's crazy. Anyway, thought that was pretty, pretty fun. No, uh, Pat was another, uh, I mean, what can you say about her? Right. She, uh, funny story about her was um, I was a good friend with the coach at Texas Women's University, which is Division Two down in Denton. Her name was Lynn Bria. And Lynn got a job offer at the end of a season to go down to the University of uh, Central Florida in Orlando. And she was going to be the lead assistant to a guy, a uh, friend of hers named Jerry, I believe Richardson was his name, I believe. And uh, again, this was before cell phones. Mm. So she accepted the job. And she, of course, she loads up all of her belongings and has to make a two-day drive from Denton down to Orlando. Well, in that interim basis, that two-day drive, the head coach at Central Florida was killed in a car wreck. Oh, wow. She didn't know that until she pulled in literally to the school mm. in Orlando. And they were standing there literally waiting for her. You're now the head coach. Wow. Man. And she was she was not quite ready for that. Yeah. You know, but so I had a team in a tournament. I believe we were in Chattanooga for AAU Nationals. And I was talking to Lynn, and this had just happened. And I'm thinking, well, any kid that I have that that I know, I would be glad to recommend to you because I thought Lynn was a great coach and uh, try to get him to your direction. The problem we always had, 
a lot of Oklahoma kids don't want to go real far from home. Mm-hmm. The idea of going to Orlando sounds great. It's Florida, it's sunny, there's a beach, there's Disneyland. But when it comes down to brass tacks, they don't really want to go that far from mom and dad. Yeah. But so Lynn and I were talking and Pat walks over and she says, Price, pardon me just a second. I, I just need to say something to Lynn. I said, yes, ma'am. I'm not yeah. on the same level you right. are. What do you want? Pat, somebody for crying out loud. Right. says, can I go get you something to drink? But uh, <laughs> she looked at Lynn, who she had never met, and says, I'm Pat Summit, and Lynn just, yes, ma'am, I know who you are, <laughs> right. and uh, here's, here's my card, my phone numbers. Mm. You need anything, you call me. Yeah. She knew what had happened, and I'm sure she was probably friends with this gentleman that had passed, and uh, was sympathetic to what Lynn was walking into, mm-hmm. and said, you call me if you need anything. Wow. And I was just, the, the, fact, the time, excuse me, the fact that she took the time walk away mm-hmm. uh, from what she was doing to say something to Lynn before she had to leave. And I just thought you showed nothing but class, you yeah. know, whatever I can do to help you, you call me. Yeah. And so, but Lynn went on down to the university of Miami after a while was head coach down there. So mm-hmm. Lynn's done a good job for herself. That's you awesome. know, but uh, I think it's stories like that, that, that I've, that's what pulled me into sports period. Cause uh, my wife always jokes, we got married when we were 20 mm-hmm. and about 22, I saw an interview uh, I didn't. I didn't follow sports at all as a musician, sound stuff, production. I saw an interview of OU football players um, visually upset at the firing of John Blake, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, "Wow!" <laughs> you know, my only recollection of college football players was Brian Bosworth, Jamal Holloway, and didn't see those guys crying. You know, in right, my mind. Right. And so you see these guys, I'm like, "Wow, man!" I mean, OU's kind of gotten a little soft, you know. <laughs> but you know, I didn't know the story, so. I just remember seeing that, and then a few uh, you know weeks later, whenever it was, they announced this hiring of Bob Stoops, and again, it meant nothing to me, just some random guy. But I saw him talk about, um, you know, just his opening press conference and you know what his plans were, whatever. And I remember being struck by his uh, authenticity, who who he seemed to be, his uh, focus on the players, and all, just something about it really stuck out to me. So I thought, well, I'm going to watch. I'm, now I want to see what happens. I had to learn football because that's an interesting story in itself. But, you know, I had, for me, it was awesome because as everyone knows the story, I mean, this guy had one of the most amazing turnarounds in pro mm-hmm. sport or college, college sports. And so, uh, you know, since then I've been sucked in. But what always pulls me in is the attitude and the character of player, or players, coaches, whatever it is. It's like Mike Gundy, massive Mike Gundy fan because of his character, his attitude his defense of his players i love the fact you know i'm a defender at heart so i love to see him rise to the occasion you know the meme of i'm 40 i'm a man the reality is what he was doing was first rate absolutely absolutely and so go ahead no i understand and it may be even more that way coaching girls yeah because i mean i'm i'm not married i don't have kids uh and i know randy has kids on uh Jeremy does as well. I do. That your first instinct is to protect those kids. Yeah. And uh, anybody that, air quote, messes with your kids, you know, I'm getting involved. Yeah. And uh, you protect those girls at whatever it costs, you know. So I, I was very protective of that. And when I was doing AAU, the high school stuff from all throughout the 90s, 
a good rival of ours was the guy from North Texas. He, uh, team Texas was their team name. And he was a great guy. And we had a great rivalry with him. He beat us once by three or four points. We'd beat him the next time by four or five. And we were both good. We didn't know who was going to win, but we couldn't wait to play each other. Oh, yeah. And um, after one of the games that they were playing, we were going to play the next game. Some fan came out and was given one of his kids some crap about something. And I just went over, and even though she didn't play for me, mm-hmm. I knew who she was. She knew who I was. That's the, the Oklahoma coach. And I just went up and put my arm in front of her. You get behind me. And, buddy, get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, And then my friend Joel, he looks over and comes over what happened. And he knew me that I was defending his kid. Yeah. He would have done done it for mine. Mm. But, yeah, you when somebody comes after one of the girls, man, that, that gets me riled up. That's yeah. my... You protect them at all costs. Right. You know, I, that's your instinct. And that's huge. I think, and, and you know, I, I mentioned all that because, you know, what struck me watching Pat Sonnet coach was that vibe. You know, I don't know how to explain it. You know, I didn't sit down and talk to her or anything, but you just knew looking at her, she gave a crap. And and this is a thing that I talk a lot, a lot with people. There are really talented people who just don't really care about anything but what they do. And you can always spot them. They will always come just this short of greatness. Right. And people will say, well, I don't know. And, and I can think of a lot of pro players right now who I'd put in that category. <clears throat> Durant. Um, and so they come just this close to greatness. But the reality is when you have character and you literally give a crap about people, that puts you beyond the echelon. When you look at somebody like Michael Jordan, yeah, his numbers are amazing. Mm-hmm. But his attitude, his approach to his teammates and the people around him made a difference. And I think you see that. And, man, that just that's what I love. Oh, yeah. And you go to Pat Summit. I, I uh, was able to. I interviewed her a couple of times too when their teams were here for tournament NCAA mm. uh, tournament play down at the at the peak, and uh, she was always very gracious and great to talk to. And you just have the feeling, like you guys have talked, that you're in the presence of a living legend. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, and then so. I've always Is that said, how you just, feel when you and I talk? No, not really. Oh, uh, <laughs> not really. The, not uh, but what I and and what I was about to say, it's just sad that a person like that ended up the way she did mm-hmm. with with Alzheimer's, right. dementia. Because here she is, arguably the greatest women's basketball coach in the history of the game, yeah. all due respects to Gino Ariema. But Pat Summit was doing things when nobody was really paying attention to right. women's basketball. Right. And she faced challenges that Gino probably didn't face. And so I, you just have tremendous respect for a person like that. And to all of a sudden for her to... By the time it was over, no real memory of, mm. of any of that mm-hmm. is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, you talk about the kind of person Pat was. Um, back in, I guess it was 2000, Jack, Steve, and I, I keep referring to these guys I coached. Yeah, you go ahead and mention yeah. I mean, some people are yeah. going to recognize yeah. Jack, who you're talking Jack, about. Jack Carter and Steve Brinson were the other two guys I coached with. And uh, we went out to Memphis to watch the SEC women's tournament one year because we had a girl that we had coached playing at the University of Arkansas. So we thought, well, we'll go over to Memphis, stay a couple of nights, 
you know, go to the casinos over in South Haven, Mississippi, you know, which is what, 10 miles away. We'll stay the night in Memphis and go watch Arkansas play whatever time they play. They'll go to the casinos and just have a good time. So we went to a casino one evening after watching Arkansas's game and Tennessee had played an afternoon game. We go to this casino and Pat was in the casino along with Al Brown and Mickey DeMoss, her assistants. And Al Brown is like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, tall, thin guy with white hair. You may not know him by name, but he, he's been at Duke, Michigan State, Tennessee. He stands out because he's so tall and he's got snow white hair. But we're watching Pat trying to play cards or blackjack, whatever she was doing. The three of us are standing there and she was surrounded <laughs> by fans, you know, and they're all wearing the Tennessee orange. So they were Lady Vol fans. And Al is over in another corner all by himself, just enjoying himself because he's not being harassed. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Pat's trying to play blackjack or whatever she's doing. The woman can't get a moment's peace. You know, and I look over at Al and I waved at him and he nods back and we're looking at what Pat's going through. And he's just nodding his head like, leave her alone, mm -hmm. you know. But she certainly was one of those kinds that you, you, you noticed her when you she walked in the room or you walked in the room and she was already there. Boy, there she was. And so people flocked to her, and she was always very nice. And yeah, I'm sure yeah. she was polite to all those people. Sure. But in the back of her head, would you, can I have an hour to myself, you know, let me enjoy my card game and just unwind a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, I, I felt bad for her. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and that's something that that you know people of that stature are, you know, you've worked so hard, you've spent your whole life working to get to this level mm -hmm. or some level close to the level that Pat Summit was, and then that's the situation. Sometimes you get you get there, you work so hard to get there, and then you're working hard to stay there, but you really you don't have a really a, a moment's peace, you know, mm -hmm. because more often than not, anywhere you go, people are going to be looking at you and whispering to each other, oh, that's look over there. Sure. And some of them, uh, and, you know, I mean, I get it. You know, they, people mean well and they're huge fans, but it would be more respectful to just let the woman play some cards. Absolutely, you know? yeah. You know, I mean, I get it. I mean, you're like, Oh my God, there's, you know, there she is. And you want to, you feel like you want to be close over there to mm -hmm. make it, make you close feel to like, greatness, cl you know? right, close to greatness and all like this. And you want her autograph or picture or, and not just Pat Summit, but anybody that's in Absolutely. that orbit. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, and, and, and a lot of people do respect that, but there are a lot that a lot don't, more yeah. that don't, that don't, yeah, think, that'll come up and ask for somebody's autograph while they're, Trying to do something else and eating you know. dinner is the the, the piece. Right. Yeah, yeah, eat it, right. Yeah. That's the one I hear about. Uh, Oklahoma does a pretty good job of when you yes. talk to these different players that they can just kind of be left alone. I had, uh, and this will be my shameless plug to go check out conversations with Jeremy Griffin when I interviewed Mark Taylor. Um, oh, sure. Who was Rumble for mm -hmm. the first eight seasons yeah, or yeah. whatever it was, and uh, and he came over from um, from uh, Seattle, and so. You know, it was really interesting his take on it because he said, you know, he at Seattle especially and and where uh, uh, Washington, I think he was at Washington before that. 
But he said, you know, he, he had a lot more interaction with the players than he did here in Oklahoma City. Um, but but he would talk to these young guys coming in. And he said a couple things for him. When he's in the Rumble suit, forget it. Like And, and, and no one would expect that because you're not going to see Rumble eating at a restaurant, right? right. <laughs> if right. he's somewhere. Yeah, right. right. He, so he's literally, if he's somewhere, he's there on purpose to be Rumble. And he said it was the most surreal thing for him because we talked a lot about how he would always talk in the third person because it took like six months for me to figure out he was Rumble. I had no idea. I was in meetings with this guy. I had no idea. And so uh, he said it was easy for him because it really was like that. When he was out of the Rumble suit, nobody cared who he was. Right. He was just a guy. And, uh, and he said, you know, he would talk to these young players that would come in in the first years, like, so how's, you know, how's it going, you know, living life in public and nobody even recognizes him at all. Right. And then he would talk about, talk to him the next year at whatever, cause they'd always play those preseason games and that's when they'd ride together or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I've had to make some shifts, have some people getting my stuff for me now, some things or whatever, or I'll just spend a little more time if I'm going to go to the mall. I know it's going to take me a little longer. And then by the third season, he said, no, there's just no public life at that point, you know? And you, you look at stuff like that and you think, golly, I mean, to me, if I was in that position, which often I am, I don't know if you guys know this, but <laughs> I am swarmed. Uh, by your many fans. Yeah. Mostly by flies. And that everyone's had that issue. I think this season, <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that's the thing. You just, you would long for a place like this, you know, um, like Oklahoma city where you can just kind of go be who you're going to be. Uh, right. It's pretty crazy. When you know, and, and that's, I mean, I heard stories, uh, about, you know, uh, Russ or Kevin Durant going out to eat in certain places and people, leaving them alone mm -hmm. and and then uh afterwards you know maybe you know people would say hey you know do you could i get your autograph or something like that but it was always after you know there was none of this coming up to the table and and that sort of thing or they would run into you know somebody from the the thunder a player out at walmart or some somewhere else and uh they they would try not to bother them while they were doing what, what they were doing. And then maybe afterwards and they were, you know, the players would say, you know, geez, I, you know, the fans here are great. You know, they don't really bother you when you're out trying to do your business. Well, there was a, I, I lived in Dallas for a while and uh, Troy Aikman still lives down mm, there. Sure. Yeah. And he um, had a story that during their heyday that he got to a point where he couldn't go clothes shopping you know, just to go out and buy himself a suit or a pair of slacks. And he had an arrangement he made with uh, one of the mall store, the Dellards or whoever it was. He would call and speak to the manager. I'd like to come in after you close. You know, I will make it, I will compensate you for staying over and your employees, the employee or two that will still be there with you, make it worth their while because he used to try to go out and buy clothes. He couldn't get anything accomplished mm. because people were not leaving him alone. And the manager was more than willing to, to work with him. And so he would go clothes shopping at Dillard's after he was the only customer in the store. And there's wow. the manager and a clerk to ring him up. Mm. And he always made sure to tip them and thank you for doing that. And you feel bad that the guy can't yeah. go out and buy pair of shoes without being harassed, mm -hmm. you know, but right. of course yeah. that was before the world of Amazon and Oh sure. Right. <laughs> you know? Know. Now right. it's like I don't even know why I don't get out. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. 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 Things have certainly changed in a big, big way. 
Which, by the way, I'd like. Yeah, you know, we probably should segue here because we are down to about ten minutes left, and okay. we haven't talked at all about uh, COVID and right vaccines. And, and, yes, yes, we should do that because uh, you know not only for folks watching on on Facebook Live and listening to the podcast, not only you know Price has a long history of being a basketball coach, but you're in you have a real job. Believe it or not, <laughs> some people say it's not real. But. Well. You know, it does pay the bills, I assume. Not, not very well. Oh, really? Well, okay. <laughs> Keeps his head afloat, maybe? Yeah, we'll go yeah with that. you know, uh, but uh, you work for CBS. Yes, sir. Uh, here in the Oklahoma City metro. You manage at least one, well, actually, really, a couple of places. Yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm based out of a certain store, but I go help different stores around town with various projects. But I've been with CBS since 2003. And you guys, when we have... When the COVID-19 vaccine actually becomes available for distribution, and now it looks like we have two that are going to be very close to that, the one created by Pfizer and the one created by Moderna, they, as we understand it, you guys will be a a place where people can go. That's what we've been told, uh, that us and Walgreens both will be, President Trump had publicly said that we would be amongst the forefront uh, caregivers as far as the, giving these vaccines out. And, um, you know, we still don't have a whole lot of information yet, you know, uh, as to what's really going to happen. But um, when the vaccine gets signed off on and they're able to get it to the stores, um, CVS and Walgreens will both be in, being given the vaccines out, uh, from what I understand, at no charge. But I... <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, I would think so at this point. I mean, you're going to shut the whole world down, surely, if you want us to get vaccinated, you're not going to charge us. But the one thing uh, that has just come to my attention, and I was talking to my pharmacist about it, and she didn't have any more answers than I did, but this vaccine has to be stored Mm. at at 50 below zero. (laughs) Oh, so you... And, uh, and you guys have a, a lot of those big-time refrigerators yeah, yeah, over have, there at CBS, right? We have deep oh, freezers yeah. in our back room. <laughs> right, right. Just put them next to the Cokes the, and the stuff. The popsicles. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> well, not, none of our stores, and I'm, I'm sure Walgreens either, yeah. has a, a freezer that goes to 50 below yeah. to store these. And uh, so where are these freezers coming from? And I can't imagine my company spending, shelling out, a freezer per each store throughout the country. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure Walgreens wouldn't do that either. But uh, Pfizer has said that they will be taking care of that for us. Hmm. Well, there, there must be a big tax write-off or something coming in there because that's a lot of money. Oh yeah, for say eight thousand stores between the two companies. Well, yeah, minus fifty. I mean, you're yeah. talking about like that's pretty much only used in labs i would think right Right, right. i mean that's not you wouldn't put meat in minus 50. no and the other thing is them to put all these freezers in all these stores in these two companies well once every let's say everybody got a shot well what are we gonna do with freezers now Mm -hmm. you know do we still need them you know and i guess maybe newborns uh, you know uh, eventually become old enough to get a shot so i guess people always need the shot but that's an awful lot of freezers that aren't going to be used after you do the initial. Right. You know, and that's, you know, that's one thing right there. We don't, we don't know for sure. Is this now in both Moderna and Pfizer, as I understand it, you have to get two shots and they haven't said, or I haven't seen, you know, you get one, one day and one the next day, or you get one. And then two weeks later you get the other one or how that's going to work. But what we don't know 
how long i mean you do you, you get those two shots and then you're you're good for the rest of your life or is it more like the flu vaccine that every you year. should get it every year or? well if you're a real capitalist it will be much more like the flu vaccine <laughs> let's yeah, be i, I mean, get it every month where's I, the motivation I, I in solving know. this problem right uh so yeah that's one thing that you know people are well curious and not about. to get super conspiracy here but let's just think about this i mean if you we know the lockdowns all, all of this we, we're, we're looking at numbers that that arguably don't really warrant some of our responses to it um in terms of mortality at the very least and so there's got to be an end game here and to me it would have to be some sort of economic besides some of the more obvious um conspiracies out there like control and all that jazz yeah, and since this was created by the Chinese, that's probably their end game for the Chicoms is that yes. uh, hey, they'll just come over and and take us. It's uh, a over successful we'll podcast be, uh, when you use the term Chicom. I, I like that term. He I, snuck it in at the very end. He too. did. Yeah, the Chicoms. You so, just can't trust. Them. And I but and I won't go ahead. I, and I'll interrupt you for you know you're, you're talking about we today as you know we're on Facebook Live. These numbers came out today, and if you're listening after we done this but the new covid well, probably numbers, not on facebook live now because i said conspiracy oh yeah they probably zuckerberg uh, you know well it's a good thing we're not on twitter at yeah. you know live twitter they would have already taken us off yeah i think we we probably aren't because even as i look at the live stream now it doesn't show that we're on but that's oh, okay well okay zuckerberg <laughs> pull the plug there you go at one uh, mention of, of chai and and we're done yeah but the new covid numbers are out today and the uh, State Department of Health reporting 3,017 new COVID-19 cases across the state. That's an all-time high. And uh, the cumulative number of positive cases is now at 161,425. Uh, 26 additional deaths reported. But, you know, the deaths come in at a uh, – there's a lag. You know, so some of these deaths, you know – a lot of them may not have even been this week. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're just now being reported and it could have been something that happened two, maybe three weeks ago, but now the seven day, uh, rolling average is the highest it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And it's, it has spiked for, for, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, it spiked. There were uh, a thousand, uh, the uh, rolling average was a thousand a day on Halloween. Mm. October 31st and here we are basically what two weeks a little over two weeks later mm-hmm. and that rolling average has gone from a thousand to 2700 mm. so it's a major spike and that's why we've seen uh, you know the governor has come out with some new rules that go into effect uh, tomorrow Thursday that bars and restaurants have to close by 11 p.m. and they have to have the tables Fifty uh, percent capacity. At, at, at yes, at the tables at least six feet apart and fifty percent capacity. Can you help me understand the logic? Uh, no, of just close. Oh, I okay. don't have the logic. Got it. And, well, here's and I I don't remember. I've talked to a whole bunch of people about. I'm sure that we've talked about this on the show. That um, restaurants, most of them, before the new uh, regulations came in, required you to wear your mask. Mm-hmm upon entering and for the whatever 15 or 30 seconds it takes you to walk to your table and mm-hmm. then after that whoosh, the math mask can come off and you're in there for the next 
Hour and a half. Hour and a half, two hours, three hours, five hours, well, however long you're in there, and without a mask. And I do believe... So that doesn't make any sense to me. I think that there would be plenty of people who could argue that. I'm not one of them, but I think there are plenty of people who could argue that. <laughs> what I can't understand is closing early. I mean, are you... Are you just trying to mitigate like who? Because because to me, not a lot of restaurants are open past eleven. I mean, bars right. and restaurants, yes, bars. But even then, I mean, what is the thought process here that as people get more and more well, sloshed, they okay. don't care about social distancing? Here's here's <laughs> here's what I think. Yeah, and this makes a lot of sense to me. Here's what I think. Uh oh, the, the people who are in there early. That's where all the people who don't have uh, COVID, they go in early. And all the people who are COVID carriers come in after 11. You know, they live in the dark of night. Wow. Dark of night. That sounds really good. And they're the ones who always come in after 11 o'clock. It's statistically provable. Okay. Well, that's just fake news. But I want you to say in a world again. In in a world. That's so good. Okay. And so, no, that doesn't make any sense. So, you know, here's a guy who say been in there since eight o'clock mm-hmm. along with everybody else. And at 11, they're going to say, okay, even though you guys have been in here for three hours yeah. spreading, who knows what 11 o'clock is when you need to get I out. I figured it out just now as we sat here. It totally makes sense to me now. Really? Yes. It totally because makes of sense to I me. what I said about people no. coming after 11. <laughs> well, kind of. Yeah. They live because in bat there is, caves, and we all know what happens there. Well, that's just there is there is precedence on the planet of time based alterations for things like that. I mean, there's two that come to mind. Um, the first one is, is this a Twilight Zone episode. No, this is real. Oh, okay, I'm probably. I mean, the, these are the precedents I know. Maybe okay. there's more. So, um, I mean, werewolves come out when there's a full moon, right? So, like that's, I mean, you know, okay, it's it's driven by the full moon, gotcha. which has nothing to do with the moon. The moon's always there. It's just whether it has light on it reflecting off the sun because we're shadowing it or not. But the other one, and the, and probably the more relevant one, gremlins. You can't feed them after midnight, and actually, technically, it's a mogwai at that point. If you feed them after midnight, you will get a gremlin and that's the that's the deal you put water on they're going to multiply it totally makes sense you don't want the spread of this why would you give anybody and i think the reason it's 11 o'clock is they're accounting for the eastern time zone because if you go in there and people start drinking and having a good time after midnight this thing's going to spread like wildfire and turn into an absolute killer i i'm on board with that i mean i'm just saying there's precedence okay i didn't think about the midnight eastern time well, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about it either. I, yeah. That's that's the key. Uh-oh, there's the music, ladies and gentlemen. I guess that means we have to stop. Well, I mean, we can go again, but... Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and we probably will. Hey, I want to say a big thanks to uh, my, friend, my friend Price Morris for coming in to be with us today. Thank you for having me, guys. He, did, a, he did such a good job. We, we may invite you back again. More than so likely. you're not going to raise the standards? Apparently not. Apparently standards? Not. We what lowered them for this show. You lowered, I mean, you <laughs> know, oh, you, You've risen to a new low. Uh, yes, <laughs> but, we have. We have. So thanks to Price Morris. Thanks. thanks to you for watching on Facebook Live. Jeremy Griffin, thanks to you as always. Hey, thank you, buddy. And uh, me, well, I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> That's it for this edition of Scatter Shooting. Join us next time for another thrilling Scatter Shooting. Rat-a-tat. Boom.